Unfortunately, I did invest after being wined and dined from morning to night, breakfast, lunch and dinner, all different locations owned by the same group asking me to invest. Totally sold me on the lifestyle, ended up having great drinks with them, bar life and everything after that. Invested into the program. And then when it come down to actually getting the work done and determining what the menu is going to look like, the design and everything else, I think that's really where I stalled and, and completely failed on this investment. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. If you're not already a member of our community, go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to join and receive the following five free benefits. First, you get the risk reduction checklist. Second, my weekly investment research email to help you increase returns. Then you get a 25% discount on all ASTOTS Academy courses, instant access to the Facebook community to get to know guests and fellow listeners. And finally, you'll get access to my curated list of the top 10 podcast episodes. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from AE Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guest, Chris Trichomedes. Chris, are you ready to rock? I'm ready, Andrew. Let's do it. Always ready to rock. Yeah. <laughs> but let me, let me introduce you to the audience. Chris is in particularly high demand and is often requested to give informative and motivating keynote speeches at local and international events worldwide. Chris has an array of experience from the investment banking sector in London and the US, as well as working in financial services for over 17 years. Now a coach, investor, and entrepreneur, Chris's background ranges from developing competitive business strategies, sales marketing, and he has been instrumental to growing various businesses. Chris, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Thank you. Andrew, thank you for having me on the show. Always great to see you. Been a great conversation prior to getting on the show. Yes, a lot of tips of my life and a lot of bad investments. I would say the worst one is definitely suited for this show. Would you like me to, uh, <laughs> to start Let's with go that? into it. Well, <laughs> I think okay, it's fantastic. time to share your worst investment ever. So take yes. it away. Well, one thing I would say, just don't feel bad if any of you have hit worst investments. We all do it. And this is my story. Mm. My worst investment, obviously, based on your introduction to myself, I'm, I'm mainly focused on financial investments. I decided to go into physical investments. I wanted to own a restaurant style kind of a bar restaurant and co-working space. The idea was to get the co-working space to pay for the rent, the restaurant to pay for the profit, and then kind of use both businesses to give people the opportunity to have a quiet place to work. Like you see people on keyboards and stuff in Starbucks all the time, and then give them the opportunity to take advantage of some of our food by giving free credits, which will then encourage them to buy more, more business. I would say, Andrew, that I was kind of uh, manipulated into that kind of uh, investment, as you probably will know. I think you do know. We've, we've spoken about it in depth prior. I was more sold on the lifestyle. I was looking at things more from a consumer perspective rather than an actual investor. So 
that was my first problem. I went into it, I invested in the program. We thought it was going to make a lot of money. We were, we were going to turn it into kind of like a chain. We were looking for spaces that were big enough to host both co-working and restaurants. And we had dreams of, you know, eventually doing hotels and all this kind of stuff. Unfortunately, I did invest after being wined and dined from morning to night, breakfast, lunch and dinner, all different locations owned by the same group asking me to invest. Totally sold me on the lifestyle, ended up having great drinks with them, bar life and everything after that. Invested into the program, you know, and then when it come down to actually getting the work done and, you know, determining what the menu is going to look like, the design and everything else. I think that's really where I stalled and, and completely failed on this investment. I didn't have the experience to do it in the first place. And I think I should have never entered this investment. But again, it's always a lesson learned. And, you know, specifically, I would say that if you come from an online type of investment world, physical investments are completely different ballgames. So I think that's where I... And, and when, you, when you first went into this, was it your impression that you were going to be running it or involved in the day-to-day operations? Or was it that, you know, you were going to be able to enjoy the profits and, you know, the, the atmosphere and all of that stuff? How was that? Well, when you get sold on the lifestyle, you kind of want to be involved, even though you don't have the experience. But ultimately, the the goal of any investment that you do, I think for everyone speaking, is that you want to make the profits, right? So the idea is that I thought that the team was going to come in, guide me, push me in the right direction. And then I was going to make the the profits as an investor. I wanted to be a silent investor. And then, you know, you kind of have to get involved to ensure that your investment takes off. So, yeah, I was, I was, you know, more so on the making profit side of things, I would say. And do you think that the intent was, you know, just to get, was the intent to get you to run it or was the intent just to get you invested and then it kind of stumbled into, oh, crap, I think nobody's doing anything here. So yeah, better- so it kind of stumbled. Yeah. stumbled into into me getting more involved again when you're in the lifestyle you kind of turn up to the restaurant you want to see things happening when you realize things are not happening then you kind of stumble into the position of having to to push things through and i think that's what that's mm. where i kind of stumbled into the more operational side of things rather than just an investor and before we go into the next section where we'll talk about what you learn maybe you could just kind of summarize how it ended you know roughly like what was the day when you realize crap I'm not going to get that money back. Well, basically, I think uh, it was when we when I realized that the the money we were spending on a monthly basis didn't cover the costs. And, you know, no matter how many ideas and marketing and stuff that we did, I realized that that was a very long term process. When you do an online marketing, it's a long term process. And I just didn't know how long I would want to keep that investment alive and keep investing in it. So eventually it just hit me that. You know, it wasn't my skill set to begin with, and maybe I should just call it a day and focus my time on something that I actually generate more income on. Mm. And if if you had decided to continue on, was the funding meant to come from you or from new investors or from the you know the the people you were partnering with? What was the plan for funding if if the company was not going to make money in the beginning? Yeah, originally I guess it was meant to come from me, and then I made a clear decision that I don't I didn't want to go down that route. And then it came from, you know, we started looking towards finding other investors and, and that's where it got a bit challenging. And I'm just curious, one other last thing is you used an interesting word at the beginning, like you said, manipulated. When we first talked about it, I said, I kind of said seduced. Um, <laughs> just Maybe you could just explain that just a little bit, because I, I know that there's some people out there that, you know, maybe in a type of situation where they may 
be able to hear what what it was like for you and to say, well, maybe that that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think I think what happens is when you're, I would use your terminology, seduced, you eventually do become manipulated if you if you participate in the seduction, right? So mm. what happened there was I was seduced with, I was wined and dined. I really liked what I saw. I was very, very involved in that kind of lifestyle. I wanted to kind of continue being involved in that lifestyle. I saw the lifestyle that the, the other people were having. And I wanted to be a part of that. And eventually I put my money behind that to kind of get that dream that I wanted. What I would say is that to remember one thing is that whenever anyone's asking you for any sort of investment, it basically means two things. One, they don't have the investment. And two, they will say anything to get your investment. So you've got to remember, a sale is a sale. They're not there to tell you the bad things. They're there to tell you everything that's great about the investment for you to invest. They will purposely skip, let's say, the bad points that maybe you should be more worried about. And mm. that's where you have to start thinking for yourself. Yep. Okay, so let's, let's review. What lessons did you learn from this? Well, I learned basically <laughs> to stick to what I'm good at and stop getting carried away so easily when people show me a different perspective on life. You can earn that same lifestyle by being cautious and making your own investments a bit more carefully and doing a lot more research. Yes, there's a lot more work involved, but ultimately it doesn't mean you can't gain that lifestyle. Just don't try and shift too far away from what you're good at to try and gain it because you might not have the expertise to see it through. Great. So maybe I'll, I've been writing down some things as you've been talking and right. maybe I'll share some of my thoughts on this. The first thing is thinking about the business idea and, you know, really a co-working space and a nice restaurant may be very different things. In some ways, I feel like you have one arrow aimed at two targets Yes, and you can't hit both. And if you aim right. for both, you're going to hit neither. Right. So I can tell you how that was actually sold to me. So what we did was we went to Starbucks and there's a lot of people in Starbucks with their laptops sitting down working. And then we were like, they were like, look, you know, if that person wants to go to the bathroom right now, they have to take their laptop and everything with them. But in a co-working space, you don't have to do that. Everything's secure. Right. So they were saying the younger generation wants to be able to work from Starbucks. And this is what we're trying to create a co-working space, Starbucks type of environment where it's safe for you to, to actually work there. You can still enjoy food and drinks and coffees that, as you like. And that was kind of the concept behind it. It made sense to me at the time. Yep. And that brings me to the next thing, which is the concept of testing theories, right? Like that's a theory that they propose yeah. to you. But the only way we'll really know is if we figure out a way to test it. And the key to success in business is figuring out a way to test it without requiring a lot of money. Yes. And so that's a second part. I think the third thing that's kind of interesting about Asia is that there are certain types of people in Asia that I would call them access people. Right. Yes. And I've come across them many times in my life in Thailand where yes. they, they bring you into a world. They give you access to a world that you probably never saw before. And Correct. it could be, a, could be a world of you know, nights out and fancy this, fancy cars. It could be a world of beautiful women. It could be all kinds of different parts of that world. And yes. I know my best friend and I, Dale, we have a coffee factory here in Thailand. And both of us have been, have we come across some access people that have invited us either personally, individually, or together the different access events that they were giving us access to. And we knew every time we went to one of these things, we just knew that, you know, there's something 
that's going to be asked of us. Yeah, there's going to be something asked of us, right? Yeah. And so basically what we decided to do is just leave. And we we left. And on many times we were like, well, really appreciate it. And this was great. And, you know, let's keep in touch. And then we just went home. And then we went back to building our business. And we had a lot of access people that approached us over the years that they could give us access to customers and government, this and that. And again, we just said, you know, we just don't know much about that, you know, so we really appreciate it, but no thanks. Right. The end, end result of that is that our business has, has not grown as big as it could have right. uh, over the 26 years now that we've been in business for that business. Mm-hmm. But the good side of that is that all the revenue is ours. All of right. the profits, all of the, the infrastructure of that business was built around, you know, solid, a solid foundation. So we right. had, there's a trade-off. And in Asia, I tell you, if you do not get involved in some of the access opportunities, you know, not all of them are a ripoff. Some of them are just, right. you know, but, but everything is pay to play everywhere in the world. Yeah. Yes. I mean, look, I've been in exactly the same situations as you, Andrew, especially in Thailand. I think that's the probably the motherland of these kind of things. I've been invited to parties, events. I've been invited to come just to see things and how they're operating. I've been invited into government kind of access set networks and circles. And, you know, I always thought that, oh, it's, it's good to know these kind of people because you could always ask them for assistance on your side, but actually it's always the opposite way around. The agenda is always for them to ask you. So therefore that it becomes kind of like a catch 22. And I, I'm exactly like you. I mean, I have a partner in Thailand that I work with still to this day, a uh, great guy. And he sometimes gets carried away and I say, and I always say to him, look, look, let's just stick to what we're good at. If we don't know enough about it, just say no. And sometimes I can see he's a bit hurt in saying no because he feels there's an opportunity there. But we have to say no. If we don't understand it exactly like you, we just say no now. Mm. And then I guess the, the last thing that you mentioned many times was the word lifestyle. Yes. And I remember, you know, I've, I've lived in the same place for 16, 17 years. It's an apartment. Right. It's not fancy. And right. I remember a friend of mine from the, from the Ministry of Finance used to see me and he'd say, you've got to spend more money. You gotta get a fancier car. You you can't walk yeah. around with a backpack around, you know, and hiking in the you know park or whatever. You gotta, you know, you gotta show it more. But I was just brought up on keeping my lifestyle simple, and so yeah. I have kept my lifestyle simple all my life, and I haven't aspired to that type of lifestyle. Not it, one additional thing is that I don't drink, and so going out and drinking and partying is just not that interesting to me at this point in my life. But the lifestyle, I think that that's where the word seduction comes in. And I think you have to be yeah. careful not to be seduced into it. And that would be my last main takeaway from what you've talked about. Anything else you would add? I would say I'm kind of with you in a certain way. Obviously, I come from a Greek heritage background. Very simple for people, love to enjoy life. It's all about family and spending time together rather than where you spend that time. It's about spending it together. So I've grown up like that. 
when I say lifestyle, yes, it's a, it, you know, when it's something you're not used to, sometimes you can be seduced into thinking that's what you want. I think I've come to realize that it's not. I mean, I have two children, my wife, I have a couple of dogs as well. I take them walking, I go hiking all the time, you know, you know, like what you were saying with the backpack stuff. Maybe not not the way you do it, but maybe I, I do it differently. I just like to go walking for an hour or two hours or, or cycling and stuff like that. And I think that's the real important part is just enjoying your life with people, you know, you love and cherish rather than thinking you need more than that. And once you think you need more than that, that's when you get, let's say, blinded by the other side of how things could be, let's say. A great song by Bruce Springsteen called Blinded by the Light. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, and I want you to think about young man or woman out there that's being seduced in some ways, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? I think the best thing people can learn from this is, uh, I mean, I've learned to appreciate what I have. You know, if I want to go and buy all the nice cars and stuff today, I can. I just choose not to. I just want a simple, nice home, a bit of land next to it so my kids can play, the dogs can play. And if I'm not looking beyond that, I will not get seduced. So what, what you're doing in essence is you've got to learn to take a step back when you're in a situation. And it's very easy to get caught up by someone else's energy. Right, they give you that high energy, that lifestyle, and you've got to literally take a step back and think about the people around you that you want to spend your time with. Take a step back and say, is this going to be good for them long term? Mm -hmm. Can I do this for them or could I potentially risk their future? Like if you have kids or stuff. And, th and that's the thing that I use to kind of ground myself is my children. I always say to myself, am I taking money away from their future by investing in something that could potentially not work? regardless of how exciting this sounds and regardless of how amazing this guy makes it seem, can I just take a moment to take a step back and say, is this really what I need to do right now? Mm. Because there's always a right time to do something. So maybe you got to play with that. Yeah. You know what you're thinking? My best friend from childhood is half Greek, half Italian. And right. his great grandfather came to America. And basically what he did is he did, create like a trust fund for his kids. And I was always kind right. of amazed for that by that because my parents didn't do that or my grandparents didn't do that. Right. But, you know, talk about the, the importance of taking care of family and making sure that there's money for the future. So last question, yeah. what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? For the next 12 months, literally, I've just, I've got my business to say to where I want it to be. I'm just refining the costs and everything that we do to, be, to, to make sure that it's as profitable as I want it to be, keep it sustainable, build, build a strong foundation. So I guess I could spend more time away from that. My mm. goal is, is to build a very, very strong foundation for my company. I think if you're needed to be involved in a particular business, you have to try and make yourself redundant. Otherwise, you will never enjoy your life and your business will always rely on you. So my goal is really to start making myself redundant in my business and mm. do, you know, based on the last lesson that I mentioned that I learned is spend more time with the people that I, that I love and enjoy. And that will keep me grounded, I believe. Great. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listeners, reduce risk and increase return in your life to achieve this 
I've created our community where you gain the five benefits I mentioned earlier. Just go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to join us. As we conclude, Chris, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? The only thing I would like to say is, Andrew, is thank you for having me on the show. It's a great opportunity to actually speak about the negative side of things. And I want the listeners of this show to basically just remember that always take a step back before you make a decision and think about it from an all-round perspective, not just with your, with your heart. Beautiful. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying... I'll see you on the upside.